Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, Francesca. Hey, good morning. It's Thursday, the day we talk about food on CityCast Pittsburgh. The tastiest day of the week. Perhaps my favorite day. Uh, But to be honest, I also cover food and drink news in every Friday Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. So there's more where that came from. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, if you haven't been following, check it out. I have events, new openings, workshops, and the most delicious bites you can get around town. We've had so many great episodes built off of Hey Pittsburgh newsletters. Um, Some of the best roundups like donuts and mac and cheese. Um, And your guide to Thanksgiving takeout that you did with producer Sophia was just incredible. It may or may not be influencing my own holiday table. Oh, I love to hear that, Megan. And also, right now on our website, the holiday pop-up bars are really popping off, so go check those Ooh. out. And if you want to support more work that we're doing, we have a membership drive happening right now. For the next week and change, you can get in on the ground floor as a founding member of CityCast Pittsburgh. Ooh, founding member. That sounds special. (laughs) In a way, you and I are kind of the founding members of CityCast Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you just celebrated your two years with CityCast Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm, And you are just about to, right after the new year. Yep. And it's so wild to think about how much content we make every day and how much we've put out over the past two years. Yeah, the podcast, let's see, is over 400 episodes now. I think the newsletter is well over 500. Wow, that's that's crazy to think about. Did you know that you've done all that work at this point? (laughs) (laughs) It has gone by in a blink of an eye. Um, And people might not realize, but you edit the newsletter on most days. So it really is a team effort over here. We really hope, if you're hearing this, that you want to help us continue doing this work. We need your support to be able to keep these fun stories going, to keep these guides, especially neighborhood guides, things like that. Francesca pours so much love and energy into our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. And our podcast. I mean, every day you get a new piece of Pittsburgh news in your ears. (laughs) And we really love meeting you all, our readers and listeners. It was really fun, Megan, when we hosted that happy hour at Trace Brewing back in November. That was a great time. And if you become a member, you can get VIP access to future events like that. Plus, we have some other great perks like ad-free podcast listening, exclusive members-only updates, and much more. And of course, you get to know that you are supporting local journalism done by people that live here and care about the city just like you do. You can sign up online at membership.citycast.fm. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh. How long could you last without going to the grocery store? I'm not talking about making one of those everything I have in the fridge kind of soups. I mean, grinding your own corn, drying your own fruit, foraging mushrooms, hunting. I wouldn't last a week. But today's guests are amazing at it. A pair of Pittsburghers are behind the extremely popular TikTok and Insta accounts Homegrown Hand Gathered. And they're showing us and their hundreds of thousands of social media followers how they use their skills to live off the land. It's Thursday, December 14th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. 
I'm with Sylvan Godden and Jordan Tony, and of course, Lil Moo over here with a peanut butter Kong. Welcome to CityCast Pittsburgh. Thanks Thank so you. much for having us. So just to set the stage, our listeners might know you as homegrown hand gathered. We're seeing evidence of your harvest all over your house. Can you explain very, very briefly, maybe some of what we're seeing around the room and how it's reflective of what you do on social media day to day? Sure. Uh, so there's lots of clusters of dry corn hanging from the windowsills. Pretty much every horizontal surface has a pumpkin or a five on it <laughs> and lots of jars of candy canned and dried goods uh, in all of the cabinets. So we we really like this time of year because the abundance comes inside from our garden to decorate our house. Um, and then we get to cook with it all winter. Yeah. Jordan, do you have a favorite corner of the room? Um, I think probably the corner where the big bunch of the variety of corn is hanging out. The corn up. gets a lot of love. Yeah. On corn TikTok. corner. <laughs> so we have most of it is a, a variety called Wapsie Valley, which is really good for grits and cornmeal. But then we also have Hopi blue corn, which is really good for making masa and a couple colorful popcorn varieties. And there's one section where all of those are hanging up together and it's just a beautiful array of different colors and I stare at it sometimes. I was going to say, sometimes <laughs> I come downstairs and I catch Jordan just like looking at the corn. <laughs> um, so you're both, of course, based here in Pittsburgh. Uh, and on your website, you describe your mission as showcasing, quote, low cost methods of producing foods in an urban and suburban environment. Um, you're both experienced farmers and gardeners and you specialize in food production. I guess, how did you integrate social media yeah. into a mission that seems really deeply meaningful for both of you already? We both have, as you said, been interested in this for a long time. We actually met working at a community garden in college. And after we moved to Pittsburgh and we were farming in North Carolina, and then we moved to Pittsburgh and lived in this little apartment on the third floor and didn't have a farm anymore and just really missed having that connection. So we started growing in community garden plots and um, seeing how long we could go eating food from them. I think Jordan first did it in, what was that, 2016 or 2015? Yeah. And it went really badly. <laughs> How long did you make it? A I week. just did a week. Yeah, yeah. it was just it a was one terrible. week challenge. Yeah. Um and you and we kept we kept at it and we kept in like increasing it and eventually you just started making videos of it for fun just to kind of capture what you were making and what we were making. And then your sister, shout out to Jillian, yeah. was like, you should share this on TikTok. People would love that. And that's the rest is history. Is there anything about Pittsburgh specifically that you think has helped you kind of on this journey, helps you showcase this mission of food preservation and living on the land? Well, Pittsburgh is just where we where we settled because of family. But I will say that the fact that you can get out to kind of the wilderness so easily mm -hmm. from Pittsburgh is amazing, right? For for foraging and hunting and fishing. And did y'all have roots here at all? Jordan okay. does. Yeah. yeah. So actually, my grandparents came to Pittsburgh from Syria, and my grandfather actually had a big community, well, not a community garden, his neighbor and him dug up this random hill and turned it into a big terrace vegetable <laughs> garden. I think that's a community garden. garden of yeah, the era. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a down-home community garden. Yeah. So my family's been growing food in these mountains for a long time. My dad has a community garden plot where my parents grow some of their food and my sisters grow, grow food in little vegetable gardens around town. So we mainly chose to move here because we wanted to be close to my family, my nephews and sisters, but it is 
a great place to grow food just because there's so much access through the community gardens where yeah. even people who live in an apartment can rent a little plot and grow some of their food or the public land that's all around us where you can go and forage and hunt and collect food. Well, if you're willing to share your secrets, where are your spaces? Um, you know, places where you grow or where you really enjoy foraging nearby. One of the things that's great about Pittsburgh is almost every neighborhood has a community garden plot. So we have a couple and they're just really nice places to grow. You know, they kind of vary by size, but both of ours are like, what, I think 15 by 20 plots that we can grow like all of our grain corn and potatoes and pumpkins. Yeah. Um, and I will say every year there are multiple plots in both of the gardens that are left fallow. So if you're interested, you should get signed up. <laughs> Um, and then as far as as far as foraging, I mean, all the like s state forests around here and game lands around here, there's so many wonderful ones. Um, yeah, like the Laurel Highlands, just as a as a region is so beautiful. We go out there all the time. And I know you've kicked off your big challenge for the season, living off the land where you try to only cook using your own food stores, uh, many of which are in the room. It sounds like you've scaled this up over the years. Last year, you attempted to do this for as long as possible. How long did you last, first of all? We went three months consecutively. We had some other times where we would do it for like a week or two just for fun. But yeah, we did three months in one stretch. And what's your, uh, what do you think is going to happen this year? Like, do, you, do you have a, do you have a well, guess? I have a little spreadsheet. So in my day job, I'm a data analyst, so I can't help but make spreadsheets with do numbers. Do you have a spreadsheet for your garden plot? Not for the garden plot, but for the harvest. Yes. So I've it's used... even nerdier, if you can imagine. It's for like calories, Yeah, fat, there's, there's USDA data for all of the crops and their calories and protein, fat and nutrients. I so... saw that you macro track while doing this. That's yeah. fascinating. So what does your data tell you may so we happen have, this season? We have seven months worth of food that we could live healthily off of without losing weight. <laughs> Do you think you'll make it seven months? Do you want to make it seven months? <laughs> That's I mean, the better question. I think um, I think it's really it's really we found not as much now about like having the sheer calories, but it's about having the energy to cook from scratch for every meal. That's challenging. Um, and I think we'll just go as long as that feels doable and then maybe we'll we'll throw the towel in. So that's kind of harder to guess when that will be. Yeah. And especially in the winter, it's fun to cook. We both love cooking. So it is fun to cook a lot in the winter. But then when spring and summer start rolling around and work gets busier, it definitely becomes more of a burden to be cooking every meal. But we also like to incorporate a lot of these ingredients with store-bought stuff. So we make mm -hmm. tacos a lot from our corn. We make we grind it and initialize it and make it into masa. And tacos are just not the same without cheese. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is it easier now than when it first started? I know it was several years ago. Was it 2016-ish? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, How long did the first one last? Just a week. Yeah. And... Uh, we, I did it in the spot. So the first time it was just me doing it. I, Sylvan is too smart for that. <laughs> and I did it in the spring, which is, that, that was my first harder. mistake. Yeah. A lot of people ask, well, why do you do it when the garden is dying off in the fall? And it's because that's when we have everything harvested and stored up. And when I did it in the spring, I was eating like raspberries and greens and none of that is really substantial, like the stuff that you harvest in the fall. Um, so I lost a bunch of weight and I was basically just like, he was a I, monster. I, was not a monster. <laughs> I think one night I fell asleep watching videos of people cooking steak. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it was it was not fun. <laughs> Is there anything that you think Pittsburgh makes maybe a smidge more challenging? Well, um, I mean, compared to we, I'm from North Carolina, and that's where we much were longer growing season. Exactly. So the growing season is shorter, but overall, I'd say Pittsburgh is wonderful. Uh, you know, we get a lot of rainfall, which is helpful. It's a nice climate, so I wouldn't say it's particularly challenging. I think it's you know it's got pros and cons like everywhere. Yeah, I mean. Is there anything that you just really miss during challenges like this? I know you have to compartmentalize that. I get it. But like, I don't know, like seafood or pizza? Yeah, definitely pizza. <laughs> Ice cream. Uh, yeah. But Ooh, we've been right. making, I, I, um, Like wheat bread for me. Ooh, just like yeah. gluten as a... I am the opposite <laughs> of gluten-free. I want all of the gluten all the time, you know, like yeah. bagels. And, and cornbread is amazing, but it just doesn't have that same texture. That's mm -hmm. true. We've been making a um, a Cherokee nut milk called Kanachi, and we're going to try turning that into an ice cream style thing to scratch that itch. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that'll be a game changer for you if that works. Oh, yeah. If we yeah. could if I could have ice cream, I could just do this like indefinitely. <laughs> hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So Lil Moo is uh, replenished with pumpkin and venison, it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like this living off the land challenge would be a huge learning curve for most of us. Um, but producer Sophia Lowe, who's next to me, and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners, would love to maybe tap into pieces of it, right? Are there any suggestions you have for like ways to integrate maybe aspects of the challenge without maybe committing quite the way you're able to at this point? Yeah, of course. I mean, this... We, we like to say it's not all or nothing. This is not, you're not like cheating if you're not doing mm -hmm. the whole thing. I think any any food that people can produce for themselves is important, you know, that is much more sustainable to produce food yourself rather than buying it from an industrially producing farm. There's a lot of things that you can do even if you don't have access to a community garden plot or land of your own, like growing mushrooms inside or growing microgreens inside. Yeah, I think also the foraging aspect is really cool because especially when you think of things like fruit and nuts, like there's these beautiful native trees all over the city of Pittsburgh and the surrounding area that produce this bounty. And I think the more that we as humans can appreciate that and even depend on it, the more invested we are in like protecting it and expanding yeah. it. And that's, that's something that I definitely want to get across is even in environments that aren't, you know, 
perfect, right? Like Pittsburgh has had this history of industrialization and pollution, all of that. Like we can still in our own yards or in our parks uh, contribute to bringing our ecology and our food systems back to a place where they're more beneficial to us and also all the, you know, native species and different things in the area. So that's, that's something I definitely try to get across with like just creating more appreciation for our for our wild foods that we have here. Yeah, yeah, and we we just did a workshop with Giving Grove, which is a program under Tree Pittsburgh with mm -hmm. um, Kimberly Bracken. And that program is going to be planting edible fruit trees all over town in different parks and protected spaces to make it more available to people all over the city. Isn't that going to be so cool when those are mature? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Oh, be amazing. <laughs> um, so for folks who are maybe interested in getting started, um, I'd love to do like a quick round. Um, any fruits or vegetables that you find particularly easy for beginners to grow? Pumpkins. I think pumpkins are very low maintenance. You throw the seeds in the ground. We do like a, it's basically a pumpkin patch in our front yard. If you saw when you came in, it's like a pretty steep hill mm -hmm. as a lot of us in Pittsburgh have, right? Yeah. Like steep <laughs> yard hill. So you just plant some pumpkin plants at the top. They'll vine all over. And then you just wait basically until the frost comes and go find all your pumpkins. And it's awesome. Like great thing to do with kids. So that would be my my number one. And when we say pumpkins, that's like winter squash pumpkins. Yeah, they're those not are the all... like bright orange things. Right. right. No, I mean, you Beautiful could do a jack-o'-lantern. green, gold, yeah. white. And they're great food because you don't have to do anything to preserve them. They they cure themselves and then you can just sit, as you can see, all around you. They're <laughs> yeah. sitting all over our shelves and then we just eat them as we need them through the winter. You eat your decor. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about uh, to forage, to find? What's your number one? Well, I don't know what number. I mean, for, for beginners around Pittsburgh, beginners. definitely apples. There's yeah. apples everywhere. There's an apple tree that's near one of the coffee shops that we went to this fall often that probably dropped 200 pounds of apples on the ground and they just all got run over and none of them got eaten and it was very depressing. Does that, yeah. Does that hurt to see? It does. It does. Um, do you and there's also buckets in the back of your car just in case? We oh, yeah. actually do. Yeah. And like a fruit picker, like with the little, it's like a extendable pole with that, a little yeah. basket. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> Always ready. Um, there's also a lot of cherries, wild cherries around town. Frick Park is a great place to look for those. Um, Boyce Park has a lot of edible fruit trees planted around. Actually, they have a ton of wild apples. Out and there. they have like raspberries and blackberries. I mean, that's it's a yeah. lot of people don't even think of that as foraging because it's just like a classic thing to do is go out and pick berries. So. Yeah. And as far as something that's substantial, like food wise, that has lots of calories that could actually sustain your life. And you probably tripped over a ton of them this fall if you're in Pittsburgh are black walnuts, which are those kind of mucky globs of greenish goo. black yeah they look like yeah. a tennis ball when they first come off the tree and then they turn into black pile of slime i had one in my backyard as a kid growing up and yeah but cracking one open that's, is so challenging that's what makes it difficult so we have a black walnut cracker that makes open, really opening them easy yeah and once you have one of these, you can turn 50 pounds of black walnuts into food. <laughs> and until you're ready to invest, at least a hammer will do the job. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. A handheld nutcracker, though, you'll just break your hand, not the nut. <laughs> Good. That's an excellent pro tip. What about the hunting element? Um, you know, if you're maybe new to the experience, are there any resources that you found out there that would be good to get people involved in that without, I, don't, I guess, a low barrier way? 
Yeah, there there are some mentorship programs. I know the state of Pennsylvania has a program. Um, there's an organization called Hunters of Color that has a mentorship program. Other than that, I would say just YouTube videos. There's a lot of really good resources on everything from you know how to set up a deer stand to how to butcher a deer and process the meat safely. Books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how we we got into it. You know, my my grandfather. Really, you learned how to hunt from a book. Yeah. And YouTube. And YouTube. Yeah. Um, is there a guide maybe for how much you should maybe be taking from a space when you're out, you know, foraging or hunting? Do you have like personal limits? That's yeah. a great question. And it really is context dependent on what it is that we're gathering. Um, so some of the things, right, if we're gathering something where you're taking the whole plant, um, you know, thinking, for example, I don't know, ramps, right? Like that's a huge one that's, mm -hmm. you know, people have talked about a lot in terms of unsustainable harvesting and you just want to make sure that you're keeping the population. I think it's like a, you should only take less than a tenth or something of the population and only from robust populations. But obviously there's also invasive species like garlic mustard um, that are all over a lot of our forests and just taking over the understory. And really you're doing a benefit to all the other native species in there by just taking as much as you can. So that one I wouldn't put any limits on. So it really just, it really just uh, comes down to kind of knowing what you're harvesting and being aware of how its role in the ecosystem yeah. Um, but beyond that, I think a good rule of thumb is in general to always leave, you know, leave two thirds or something or more of what you're finding, especially because maybe some other foragers might want to find it and harvest it as well. Right. And there's other other categories of things that we forage too, like fruits. So the fruiting body of a plant, they want you to, the plant wants you to take its yeah, fruit. So, and it so we put that energy elsewhere. Exactly. So we, we take the fruit, we spread some of the seeds as a thank you for the fruit. And then in those cases, we, we usually, you know, we'll take as much as we'll, we'll actually use. You know, actually I've seen you talk about in some of your videos about, you know, with the black walnuts, for example, putting them back into the ground to give the earth something to replenish itself for the harvest that it gave you. How important is that element of gratitude and what you're doing and instructing others to by your example? Yeah. So there's, there's a long tradition in North America of using gratitude to continue living sustainably while harvesting from the land and indigenous people in North America, there are a lot of different forms of this concept, but the umbrella term is the honorable harvest. And one of the big principles of that is that you always give back for everything that you take. And uh, one way that we like to do that is by spreading the seeds or removing invasive species or just helping to try to create more habitat for animals and plants to survive in the areas around us. And in that way, they then support us. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think we come at it from a perspective of wanting to very much highlight how we are a part of the ecosystem rather than trying to sort of maintain this false like division. Um, and as much as we can remind people of that and be like, you can sustain yourself, like, look, look at what even, you know, Pittsburgh, just a pretty industrialized city can provide. Um, and maybe people will look at it as, as something valuable and worthy of protection um, rather than kind of looking at it as kind of like, well, there's, there's good places and bad places and the national parks are the good places that we have to protect and everywhere else, like, ah, whatever, it's already ruined. You know, like that, 
that yeah. clearly, I don't think that approach has worked really. Um, and so as much as we can say like everywhere deserves care and attention and intentionality with like how we're living, um, then hopefully we can all, all get to uh, experience like the abundance that our various ecosystems provide because it really is amazing i mean that's where it comes down from is we just think it's cool and we have fun doing (laughs) it you know (laughs) and on the on the note of sustainability everybody is living off the land we are all (laughs) part of the ecosystem and if if you're buying all of your food at giant eagle it comes from somewhere it's coming from land (laughs) yeah so it's once you kind of get yourself out of the mindset of this idea that humans are somehow separate from nature you start to realize that this is a sustainable way to live and an enjoyable way to live. I feel like we've really only scratched the surface of what it is <laughs> to homestead. Um, but if people do want to learn more from you, are there ways that you would recommend they do that? Sure. There's um, there's a lot of great books out there for foraging and gardening. Um, Samuel Thayer has a has a guide to foraging that is amazing. Um, And then a little shameless plug is that we also have a couple of online courses that we've put together over the past few years. Um, One is all about how to grow your own food. So it's focusing on growing all of these staple crops that we use to like actually eat out of our garden year round, uh, even when you don't have a big farm, when you just have a suburban lot or community gardens. And then the other one that we just put together this year is all about foraging your own food. So kind of like we were talking about before, getting into the context of all of these individual plants and fruits and mushrooms that we rely on and how to forage them, how to preserve them, how to cook with them, et cetera. And if anybody listening is interested in the course, we're actually doing a 20% off discount code for CityCast listeners. So you can use the code CityCast412 for 20% off. Thank you so much. And where can folks find those classes? Oh, good question. Um, If you just check out our website, homegrownhandgathered.com, you'll find them there. Excellent. Um, You can find them on TikTok and Instagram. Jordan, Sylvan, and Lil Moo over there. Thank you so much for inviting us into your lives online, on social media, and also literally here into your kitchen here in Pittsburgh. It's great talking with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Reminder, you can find all of our shows, old and new, on our new website. That's pittsburgh.citycast.fm. And if you need a little help, maybe collating all of the information that we talked about today, definitely check out that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Francesca's going to have all of the amazing tips rounded up into one place. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Did you paint the room to go well with the harvest? No, I mean, I do think it works well. We, this is when we moved in, this is the color of the walls. And we were like, sure, great.